Amen. Well, we're going to continue now in our time of worship by opening up the Word of God. And today's scripture reading comes from the book of Galatians, chapter 3. And uh, the scripture will be right on the projector screen as well, or you can follow along in your Bibles too. And if you don't have a Bible, we actually have Bibles right back there in the welcome table, and you can get one to follow along. And if you don't have one that's personally yours, that will be our gift to you. We'd love for you to have uh, God's Word to have access to and to use on your daily and weekly basis as well. And within the little... Um, the, the bulletin that you got, there are actually ways that you are able to, um, to take notes and to follow along as well. All the instructions are there as well. And um, I'm so grateful that we've already started uh, children in worship. It looks like uh, Sister Joyce is there already and all the kids have gone to their classes. So that, that is wonderful to know. So today's scripture reading is from the book of Galatians chapter 3 beginning at verse 5, and we're going to go from verse 5 to 14, Galatians chapter 3, 5 to 14. Vamos a estar en el libro de Galatas, capítulo 3, versículos 5 al 14. And you can follow along in your Bibles in Spanish or English at home or wherever you are. I will be reading the scripture for us in English, and you can follow along on with your Bibles or on the slides um, that will be available to you. Galatians chapter 3, verses 5 to 14. Let's hear now with open hearts and open ears from the word of God. Galatians chapter 3, beginning at verse 5. So again, I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Verse 10, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse as it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole or on a tree. Verse 14, he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. So that by faith, we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are doing something great, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we don't have to rely on ourselves or rely just on our works or on our 
rule keeping or rebellion, Lord, that won't lead to true freedom. Only your grace will. So God, I just pray that today we would be able to engage, Lord, and enter into this grace that renews, that restores, that redeems. Lord, do your work in and through us. Speak to us in a way that is clear and direct this morning. Thank you, Lord. We love you and we give you all of the glory. In the faithful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So we're currently in this sermon series on the book of Galatians that we're calling True Freedom. And we're going through Galatians. We started a couple of weeks ago and we were reminded how true freedom loves the truth and seeks the truth of God. Then last week, we talked about how true freedom begins with authentic living, with being honest before God, being honest about our brokenness and being honest about his grace and his goodness. And we're going to be in Galatians um, almost until the end of May together. But what we've really talked about is how when we read Galatians, you're reading a letter of passion. You're reading words of passion. In fact, it was written by the Apostle Paul to a number of churches in the regions of Galatia where Paul traveled during his missionary journeys. And you can read more about that in the book of Acts. But Galatians is a letter that's written from a place of deep passion and raw emotion. Paul doesn't hold back. He, he shows his genuine love, his genuine frustration, his genuine disappointment, his genuine dreams and desires for a community and a people that he loves with a passion. So all of that comes out as we read the book of Galatians. And um, today, one of the main uh, um, points that he makes in Galatians chapter 3 is this connection to the faith of Abraham. Who exactly was Abraham and why did that even matter? And why was it something that he really wanted to emphasize here? The faith of Abraham, that his faith was counted as righteousness. There was some kind of proud connection or lineage there that Paul had to Abraham. And we're going to be talking about that a little bit more here today. But it reminds me that when I became a minister and I was in training and preparation for all of that, I was preparing and one course that I had to take was just um, on pastoral formation and really just learning who I was on the inside, mentally, spiritually, and in my heart, my character, my personality, my history, my personal history, all of that. And um, one of the things that we had to do together was we actually in this course had to create a family tree. And I got to make the connection between me and my parents and my grandparents and my great-grandparents. And I got to find a unique surprise that there was a connection that I had with the person of influence that was my great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather, however many greats you have to put there, in order to go back to the 1800s. There was a connection that I had with the person of influence. Some of you all know my last name is Coro, 
or Corro in Espanol, and that's a very unique last name. So, you know, it's not like in English a Jones or a Smith, but or in Spanish a Garcia or a Sanchez. It's a very unique name. So I have a direct connection to folks with that name and generations that had passed. But I found a very unique surprise that there was a unique connection that I had with a person of influence back in the 1800s, my great, 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 however many greats you have to add there uh, to trace back to the 1830s or so, my great, great grandfather was actually a man by the name of Jose Justo Corro. And he was in my family tree. And Jose Justo Corro is actually the 10th president of the Republic of Mexico. And I, I, I made this, this connection in that family tree, in that lineage. He was a, a president for a short amount of time, less than a year. But there was a huge accomplishment that took place during his time in office. A major accomplishment was that President Coro, don't you just love how that sounds? For President Coro, right? President Coro actually negotiated with Pope Gregory VI, and he obtained the recognition of Mexico's independence from Spain. So, just like here in California, right, many people have a heritage connection, Mexican heritage uh, uh, connection there. And if you're glad that you don't belong to Spain anymore, you're welcome. And some of you know, right, California used to be a Mexican territory that now belongs to the U.S. So if it was not for President Coro, it would all probably still belong to Spain. So again, U.S., you're also welcome. (laughs) So similarly, in the same way I found that connection with my great-great-great-great-great-grandfather, there was a connection that Paul had here with, and not only him, but the entire uh, Jewish culture, tracing back to Abraham. There was a very special connection to Abraham, the father of faith. The text that we enter into this morning describes God's covenant with Abraham and the faith of Abraham. You can read about this in Genesis 12, and then again in Genesis 15, that Abraham had a promise from God. And Abraham believed God for that promise. In Genesis 15, there's a deal that's sealed between God and Abraham, and that's called a covenant. It all started with a conversation to then covenant. But then when when God first gave this promise to Abraham in Genesis 12, he makes this promise. He says, Abraham, I will bless you. I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Blessed to be a blessing. That was the promise to Abraham. So who exactly is Abraham here and why does he matter? So just a little bit of background on Abraham. Abraham was actually a nomad, meaning that he was a wanderer. He didn't belong anywhere necessarily. He was from the land of Ur initially in the ancient Near East. That's actually in modern-day Iraq. 
Some of you remember a couple of, of months ago when uh, Pope Francis went to go visit Iraq, he actually went on a pilgrimage to go to the birth site of Abraham. So it's pretty incredible. And arguably, no one besides Jesus Christ has ever been more influential than this man, Abraham. Just to give a little perspective on this, the three major world religions of today, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity, they all look to Abraham as their spiritual grandfather. So just to think about that in numbers, people that follow those worldviews are actually well over 4 billion, almost 5 billion of the entire world population. Over half of the world's population today look to this man, to Abraham, as their father in faith. They have a connection to him. Yet in his life, we see who Abraham was. He, he was a, a man who, who doubted, who messed up, who even lied sometimes, who faltered. So which one is it? Is Abraham a person of great faith? Or was he someone of deep doubt and inconsistency? And the answer is yes. Father Abraham was both deeply broken and yet blessed by God. So how does God deal with us in those times of doubting, of fearfulness, especially in times when we feel that we're under pressure? Well, Paul here is pointing to the, the story of Abraham to remind us of how God deals with us in those times the story of Abraham shows us how God deals with Abraham and how God even deals with us in our moments of fear and doubt and anxiety and uncertainty. What does God do? God engages Abraham in conversation and covenant and promise. He doesn't run away from him. God engages him and that, that engagement leads to covenant, the one that we read about, that he would be blessed to be a blessing. Just a little bit more background there. Originally, when God gave this promise to Abraham in Genesis 12, he was told this. He, Abraham was told that he would, um, and he was given a promise that uh, he would be blessed to be a blessing and that all families in the earth would be blessed through him. And in fact, that God would work through, a, a, through his family to be able to restore all of creation and all of humanity. God promised Abraham that he would provide for him a son, a descendant in order to renew and restore all people back to God. God would use Abraham to restore something precious that has been broken through this descendant. The scriptures eventually tell us that that descendant is Jesus that God would reclaim all things and unify all things back to himself through Jesus. But that was the promise that Abraham had way back in Genesis 12. Now, Abraham never got to meet Jesus, but Abraham believed God. He believed God's word. He believed it to be true, and that was counted to him as righteousness. In fact, what Abraham was immediately waiting for was his own child with his wife, Sarah. And they tried to have children. They couldn't. And they, they actually couldn't because she was barren. 
And so what ended up happening is they tried time and time again, but continued to fail. And in Genesis 15, it had most likely been many years since God had made that promise to Abraham. But then um, what, what ended up happening is have generations after generations, God eventually provides a child for uh, Abraham. And then eventually comes Jesus, the, the promised one that would bring things together. So Abraham was able to, again, believe God, and that was counted to him as righteousness. He was uncertain. He didn't get the confirmation in his own lifetime, but sometimes that's what it's going to be like to follow God, to follow Jesus, especially in uncertain times. Like Abraham, who's called the father of faith, he's called this for one reason, because he went without knowing, yet fully trusting. He believed God's word and he took God at his word and that was enough. That's the example of the faith of Abraham. Patience, waiting, trusting, and persevering. All of that is part of what it means to follow God in uncertain times with a faith like Abraham. A faith that sometimes goes against all odds. A faith that is not simply based on circumstances or situations, but a faith based on God's promises, God's power, God's presence. A childlike faith that says, I believe simply because God said so. And I trust him. And he's trustworthy. After perhaps what felt like a lifetime of silence, God speaks to Abraham in, in Genesis 12. And he says, his first words to Abraham are, do not be afraid. Do not fear, Abram. I am your shield. God doesn't say, you know what, Abraham, I'm so sorry that I took so long here and that you were just patiently waiting. I messed up. I dropped the ball on this. He doesn't say, I'm running late, Abraham. We need to switch to a plan B here. He doesn't say, Abraham, you should have done more. I was punishing you because you weren't doing enough for me. No. God is not interested in any of that. God simply speaks to and says to Abraham, I am your shield. I am your, re your reward. Do not be afraid. In reaction to God's declaration, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm tempted to do this, and I've shared this with you before. When I read the promises of God in the Bible, I'm tempted to insert a yes, but type of statement for Abraham here, right? I want to say, you know, God's saying, do not be afraid. Believe my promises, even though I don't immediately see them. But I want to say, yes, God, but you don't understand. To which God responds, do not be afraid. Yes, God, but all of the odds are against me, my circumstances, my situation. It's not even adding up. To which God responds, do not be afraid. Yes, God, but I don't have the resources and I'm in deep pressure. I feel like everything's closing in on me. Do not be afraid. How about for you? What's your yes, God, but statement today? 
whatever it may be, regardless of how big or how small you may perceive it to be, God's response remains the same for you as it was for Abraham. Do not be afraid. I am your shield. God can be trusted. We can take him at his word. God actually engages Abraham's doubt. In our moments of doubt and wondering, real faith does not ask us to just stuff it all inside or pretend like it's not there or just suppress it and distract ourselves from whatever may be heavy on our hearts. But real faith asks us to actually bring that to God, to express our doubts through groaning and praying and to bring our authentic doubts to a faithful God. When we bring our doubts to such a God, faith invites us to be willing to do something that we couldn't even imagine, to practice the faith of Abraham. Faith invites us to doubt our doubts. Faith invites us to be skeptical of our own skepticism. La fe nos invita a dudar nuestras dudas y confiar en Dios. Now, friends, brothers, sisters, Imago Church, may we bring the big questions before God. Those fears, those doubts, those uncertainties, those insecurities, don't run away. Bring them before God. Rather than fleeing into fear, into something or someone that we know will not fully satisfy or comfort us in the way that only the living God can. Verse 6 of the passage we're reading today in Galatians, Galatians chapter 3, verse 6 says this, Consider the faith of Abraham. He believed. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham takes God at his word. He looks up to the sky and is willing to trust amidst the crisis. Oftentimes, for us, faith or lack of faith is made most evident in times of crisis. Nuestra fe está probada especialmente en los tiempos de crisis. Faith or lack of faith is evident in times of crisis. Abraham believed God would give him a son, that God would keep his promises in spite of many, many years of not seeing any fruit right in front of him. In the context in which this story was written and that promise was given to Abraham, children and offspring, they were actually, they represented security for the future. So for us today, it can be in material things or other things, but that was the promise that Abraham had, a security for the future. And Abraham believed that God would grant him a future against all odds, against all circumstances and situations that he found himself in. Abraham held on to hope. And friends, brothers, sisters, holding on to hope is holding on to life. Without hope, there is no life. There's existence, but that's not life. Hold on to hope, and in doing so, hold on to life. 
all spiritual battles, and I've found this to be the case in my life, and maybe it's true for you too. All spiritual battles are fought in the battle arena of faith. In the octagon of faith, or however we want to call it. All of life's obstacles require us to confront and answer the following question. In who or in what am I trusting? In who or in what am I taking at its word? Is it God or something else? Where am I laying my weight down? Fear, on the one hand, will constantly try to convince us that God's grace and God's everlasting covenant, that that's not enough. Fear wants to convince us that that's not enough. Fear exchanges trust in God for trust in myself, trust in people, trust in places, trust in material things, in outcomes, in situations. And perhaps worst of all, fear creates an obstacle for blessing. Fear creates a barrier for blessing. Fear and control, all of those things create an obstacle from receiving that blessing that God has, that he will be with you, that he will never leave you, that he will protect you, he will provide for you in every and all circumstance. And in fact, that's what Paul is talking about here in Galatians 3. He's saying, don't trust in that. Don't trust in your own abilities. Don't trust in what you can do. Don't trust in your own rule keeping. Don't trust in your own rule breaking. But trust in the God of Abraham. Take God at his word. And that will be counted as righteousness. The first word in this passage, that when we look back to Genesis and the promise that God gives to Abraham, his words are, do not be afraid. No tengas miedo, no temas. In times of trials, in times of temptations, in times of discouragement, which you may have experienced last week and maybe we're going to go into in this new week. In whatever may come in this new week, may we hear the voice of the God of Abraham speaking to us. In the midst of this call, may we go deep and wide this year. May we hear the voice of God saying to us, just as he did to Abraham, saying the words, do not be afraid. I want you to insert your name there. Also, I'll put my name first and then you can do it next. Do not be afraid, Carlos. Now insert yours. Do not be afraid. And as you insert your name in there, believe it. Believe and take God at his word. He can be trusted. Do not be afraid, Imago Church. I am the Lord, your God. I am your shield. I am your protector. I am your provider. And remember, this is not a suggestion. This is a command. God doesn't say, hey, would you consider it maybe when you're up to it, not being afraid for a day? No. 
He commands it and says, do not be afraid. And in fact, this is not a one-time command. Some of you have heard me say this before, but do not be afraid is actually the most repeated command in all of the scriptures from Genesis all the way through Revelation in the New Testament. Do not be afraid comes up over and over and over again. Faith gives us courage to live out the faith of Abraham. To take God at his word. That's courage. Against all odds, against all obstacles, to take God at his word. We can take the easy route, right? We can take just the passivity or cheap cynicism or negativity. That's the easy route. That's the shortcut to avoid actually really engaging in what God is doing here and now in your life, in our life as a church. Faith gives us courage to charge the unknown. Faith gives us the ability to go without knowing, but fully trusting. Being called, like you and I, we're all called to follow Jesus in the good times and the bad for some of you, these times, it's still, you know, this, uh, we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel of the pandemic, but these last 15 months have been extremely difficult and challenging and uncertain. To follow Jesus with a faith like Abraham is to, to trust him, to take him at his word in all circumstances, situations, and even relationships. And it's going to feel like stepping into the unknown because that's what Abraham did. He went without knowing, but he fully trusted. And to practice that level of faith will never take on that pattern that we just would love to, to, to take on all the time, right? That gives us a sense of comfort, security, and certainty, that ready, set, go pattern, right? But instead, when we follow God and we take him at his word, no matter what, it's going to feel a lot more like believe, go, set, ready, trust. Together, as a church community, we're rebuilding in 2021. And I believe that the greater, greater things are to come for each one of us, for our families, and for this church community. As followers of Jesus, we are blessed to be a blessing. You can be a blessing no matter what your circumstances may be. God seals his promise to Abraham with a covenant. With a covenant. And let's be clear. Whatever we place our trust in, we are in covenant with because that is what we are placing at the center of our lives. Each one of us, we take something or someone at its word or at their word, no matter what. Galatians 3 is asking us to redirect that, to redirect that trust. And because that's the truth, we take something or someone at its word. We are in covenant with something or someone, whether we're conscious of it or not. And all covenants away from God are what are called if-then covenants. They are contingent covenants. For example, some of us can be in covenant with our self-image, right? 
And that's a covenant that says this. And this is the way the world works, right? If I do this, then I get that. If I pay for this, then I get that in exchange. So that's a type of deal. That's a type of covenant. All of us are in, are in covenants, whether we realize it or not. So if I'm in covenant with a self-image, right, it's, that's the covenant that says, well, if I look good on the outside, then I will finally be loved and accepted on the inside. Or some of us perhaps are in covenant with finances, right? That one thing that if that was just right, everything else in my life would be okay. Covenant with finances says, well, if I have the right investments or the right portfolio or the right amount in my bank, then I will finally be secure. And, you know, just as a side note, I've heard this from others, especially people that make much, 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 much more than me. But, and they have communicated, money is never truly the problem, and money is never truly the solution. <laughs> Some of us can be in covenant with busyness. In our culture, right, busyness is a status symbol. The busier that I am, the more important that I am. And if I'm busy enough, then I will finally be important enough to matter. But friends, brothers, sisters, when we place our trust in the living God, we are in covenant with the God of Abraham. And when this God is at the center of our lives, we are in a unique covenant that Galatians 3 is pointing to. It's not the covenant of if-then, of contingency, but it is the covenant of grace, of everlasting grace. It's a covenant that's not based on if-then, but a covenant based on I will. Here's a Bible question for you, a trivia question for you. Why did God choose Abraham? Why? God chose Abraham because he chose Abraham. Because he is God. He's a God of grace. And grace is who God chooses to be. And grace is what informs all God chooses to do. God saw a nomad that didn't belong anywhere, Abraham. And he says, I choose you. I choose to bless you. I choose to be a father to you. I choose to give you a home. I choose you to be a part of my family. I will bless you, Abraham. I will be faithful to you. Even if you are unfaithful to me, I will bear the consequences Jesus on the hard wood of the cross is really the embodiment of the I will covenant. That even in our faithlessness, God will be faithful no matter what. God shatters the way of the world. God shatters the if-then contingency plan, right? If you do this, then I'll do that. Instead, God invites us into an I will covenant. It's a new kind of deal where God actually proclaims that even when you fall, even when you stumble, I will be there to pick you up. Even in your brokenness, I will bless you. 
Even in uncertain times, the Lord will be your rock and your shield. I will rebuild and multiply my church, your family, whatever it may be. That's who God is. May we trust him. May we say yes to the journey. And when we trust God and say yes to this journey, even when we don't know where we're going, that's practicing the faith of Abraham. To go without knowing, but fully trusting. Taking God at his word. Saying yes to the journey. The one who calls you and I is faithful. The same God then is the same God today that invites you into this everlasting covenant of grace. He is faithful and he will do it. He chooses you. He chooses to bless you. Not because of anything you've done, but because of who he is and what he's done. Friends, brothers, sisters, we're invited to courageously follow our faithful God. In times of uncertainty, may you hear the words, do not be afraid. And together in one voice as a united church family, may we not be afraid. May we take God at his word. That's enough. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your great faithfulness. Your faithfulness that's unlike anything that we've ever seen or experienced, Lord. There's no model for that in the world or in reality or with principalities, God. All we see is contingency. All we see is if then, if this, then I get that. Or if I do this, then this will be the consequence. And yes, that's all part of reality. But grace offers even a greater reality. Grace offers a newer, truer reality. That God has done something that has changed everything. That God has made a way, not based on if then, but on I will. I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Thank you, Lord. We love you. Help us to put on the faith of Abraham. The faith that frees us from fear. And a faith that frees us for more. To lean into more, God. Help us, Lord, to take you at your word. Free us from fake religious or rebellious control. Free us from all of that and instead free us for the faith of a child. A childlike faith that says, I trust because God said so. And that's enough. I trust because he promised. And that's enough. I trust because God is trustworthy and that's enough. Today, you can trust and believe 
simply because God said so. And experience that true freedom, that true peace that we see even in the scriptures, the faith of a child, knowing that it's okay. Dad's got it. My heavenly father's got it. It's okay. I don't have to struggle here. I don't have to try to take the wheel and control. God the father's got it. He holds it all together. And he holds you right now. May we believe and hold on to this childlike faith that there will be a way because our Father God promised so. Thank you, Lord. Continue to build us up as your people, as your church. Make us new, Lord. We love you, Lord. We believe, help our unbelief. Give us faith, Lord, and grow us more, Lord, to, to take you at your word. And that's what's counted as righteousness, Lord. Not any of our deeds, but our need for you, Lord. Thank you. We pray all of this in the faithful name of Jesus. Amen.